an awesome, powerful story. We love Rosie and are grateful for the way she serves God through this church. Uh, my name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here. I'm so uh, excited to be with you guys today. You survived the storm. You made it through. And uh, I'm really grateful to be together. I love these times that we get to gather together uh, like this on Sunday. And I'm excited for where God's going to take us and what we're going to experience together over the next couple moments. We've been in a teaching series called How to Know When You Grow. How do you know if you're actually growing? We've been exploring what transformation looks like in the real world. What does that really look like? What does that really mean? And how do you actually participate in the growth that God has for you? What part do you play in that? And today we're going to look at one of the greatest gifts to your growth uh, in this world. Uh, it's one where a lot of folks, if I'm being real honest up front, a lot of folks get stuck at this place, but I believe if you kind of hear the teaching from God today and take a next step in your relationship with him today, I believe it can, I genuinely believe it can change the trajectory of your life and change how you look at God and yourself and your stuff. Because today we're going to talk about the joy of generosity, the joy of generosity, what does it mean to live that kind of life and how you can actually enrich the way you live by learning how to give. And uh, so that's why I'm excited for you to be here today and for what God's going to do in and through us. How many of you remember the first bank account? Does anyone remember opening up your first bank account? Like raise your hand if you remember opening up your very first bank account. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Uh, raise your hand if it was like, if you were younger than 18 years old and you opened your first, oh, look at you, responsible, good, hardworking individuals. That's awesome. I totally remember we're, uh, opening up my first bank account. I was 15 years old. And uh, I was making a killing at the time, and I needed somewhere to store all of these resources. I was making, uh, I still remember, I was making $4.25 an hour, and uh, I mean, the sky was the limit at that point. <laughs> the world was my oyster, and so I needed a place, and so I went and opened up uh, not just one account, mind you, because I had enough money at this point to open up two accounts, a checking account and a savings account. And I think maybe I had $150 in each, maybe at most. But I remember at 15 years old, one of the most, like the coolest things was uh, they let me pick out, they gave me a book of um, checks. I don't know, half this room isn't going to know what these are. Um, you used to be able to write on a piece of paper and it was like money. And people would take this paper and you could buy things with it and do things with it. It's a, ask your parents about it. But it... Um, they let me choose my first checkbook. I could customize it. And so they showed all the options. I'm 15 years old. And one of them was Looney Tunes, like Bugs Bunny. And I'm like, yep, that's the one for me. Because nothing says take me and my purchases seriously like Elmer Fudd on a check. And so I was so excited to kind of get off and to begin to build my empire. And what I knew at that time was my, I had to grow my money. I did not have a lot. And so I needed to grow my money as best I could. And so I had a very simple strategy. Uh, my strategy was make more so that I could have more so that I could do more. So make more so that I could have more so that I could do more or get more. And so that was my strategy. I got to grow my money. I got to work more hours so I can get more money in the bank so I can have more options in life. And for many folks, this is kind of their financial plan in a lot of ways. For, for a lot of folks, that's kind of the extent of their financial plan. Make more so you can have more so that you can get more or do more. But here, I believe, lies a tension that we so often miss. And it's a place where you can leave a tremendous amount of growth on the table. <coughs> 
Because I think what we tend to do is focus on how to grow our money. How can we get more? How can we kind of move up to that next status? How can we move up to that next, you know, kind of earning bracket? We focus on how to grow our money, but we miss how our money can grow us. And your money has a lot to teach you. We miss how our money can actually grow us and what God might do through your resources to teach you more about who he is and who you are. And I don't want you to miss how your money can actually grow you today. So we're going to look at a passage from the Old Testament and then we're going to look at a principle that's not new. For a lot of folks, uh, this is not a new uh, principle. In fact, for the kind of the majority of this time, we're going to be talking to those who would say, yeah, I'm in with God. Like I'm in relationship with him. I'm committed to him. And this is a principle for us that's not really like negotiable. This is part of what it means to be in relationship with God. For those of you who say, I'm not sure if I'm even there yet. I think this is an awesome thing for you to listen in on and even begin to practice yourself and see if you don't experience the growth that God has for you. So I want you to grab a Bible, if you would, please, and open to the Old Testament to Malachi chapter three, Malachi chapter three. It's on page 670 in the gray Bible. So here's the deal. If you don't have a Bible, we have a Bible for you right in your seat back. If you're in overflow, it's there for you as well. Grab that, open to page 670. There should be a pen right next to that Bible. Grab a pen too. We're going to circle a couple words, underline a few things, draw some stars, some hearts, whatever you want to do. But we want you to uh, have this with you. So page 670, Malachi chapter three. Let me give you some context as to where we're coming into this story. These are the last couple words of the Old Testament. And uh, they're spoken by the prophet Malachi. A prophet was someone who spoke uh, on God's behalf to God's people about God, about life with God. And so Malachi is the last prophet of the Old Testament speaking to the people of God. And uh, the people of God in the story of the Old Testament, basically the, the whole story of the Old Testament, some of you may be familiar with this, it basically follows this group of people, the Israelites, people of Israel, people of God. And we really find our story in their story. And what you see over the course of the whole Old Testament is there are seasons where they walk really close with God and then they walk away from God. And then they come back to God and walk really close with God and then they walk away from God. This is the rhythm of the Old Testament. And oftentimes for us, it is our rhythm as well. And so this is one of those moments where they've been walking away from God and God kind of calls them on and says, listen, you're missing what life with me can really be like. So let's look at verse seven, Malachi three, verse seven. God is speaking through the prophet Malachi to the people of God. He says this, ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. So he's saying basically as long as you can remember, here's the pattern. You kind of forget about me and then you, you know, you see that I'm faithful and you come back to me. So he's saying, look, this is just part of our relationship dynamic, isn't it? God is defining the relationship here in this moment saying, you have not kept my decrees. You have not walked in step with me. Now listen to these words. He says, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. These are very powerful words you might want to circle or underline. I don't even, if it's not your Bible, it doesn't even matter. Someone else will need to read those one day. Return to me, and I will return to you. This is a promise from God. I bet all of us have a season of our life and may even find ourselves in one right now where we're wondering if after all of our wandering, God will take us back. You wonder if after all of the months or the years of you walking away from God or turning your back on God or kind of doing it your own way, you wonder if God will actually have you back. In fact, that may even be why you're here this morning or why you're listening online right now because you're wondering, I wonder if God will ever have me back. Here's a promise from God you can take to the bank. 
return to me, come back to me. And God says, I will return to you. In fact, here's the truth. I never left you. I've never left you. You can come home. You can come back to me. So that's God's invitation to them. Return to me and I will return to you. Now, this is what I love. God begins having a conversation with them by himself through Malachi. It's really very meta. And so God's talking to talking for them through Malachi so that they can listen. So God says, but you ask, how are we to return? Okay, God, if you say you'll return to us, how are we to return? It's a great question. God's going to show us how, but first he's going to teach us a few things about himself and about us and about our stuff. Verse eight, God says this. Well, will a mere mortal rob God? This is a very big kind of philosophical question. Can you rob God? Can you steal from God? Can you take from God? And so God's saying, can a, mere, can a human being actually rob from God? And the answer, just so you know, as we go through this passage is no, you can't like rob God. You can't actually steal from God. So that's going to come back later on a pop quiz later. So just remember, no, you can't actually steal from God. God says, but here's the deal. You actually are. You're robbing me in tithes and offerings. God says, can, can someone steal from God? And everyone say, no, well, you are, is what God says. And here's how you're doing it, in your tithes and your offering. God's not pulling any punches here. He's saying that these people have been holding out, holding back from God in their tithes and offerings. Now, tithes and offerings are biblical concepts that are woven all kind of throughout the Bible. In fact, they go all the way back to the left side of the Old Testament. You can actually find the first mention of the tithe in Genesis 14. It's this idea that you kind of hear a lot about in church, but Let's be honest, no one really uses the word tithe outside of church. I'm like, I don't know, like if you're out with, like to dinner with friends last night and you get to the bill at the end, you're like, how much are you going to tithe our waiter? No one says the word tithe unless they're in church or reading from the Bible, okay? So I get, we all get that because it's a biblical concept. And it's an old kind of ancient concept. And basically the idea of the tithe means that it's loosely that it's this 10%. So it kind of means it's this 10%. So the, the idea of the tithe in the Old Testament was that the people of God would take the first 10% of their crop or of their livestock and they would give it back to God. They would bring it to the temple. They would give it back to God as a symbolic way of saying, God, it's actually already yours. And so I'm going to give it to you. So now fast forward a, a couple thousand years or so into our world. What the tithe would mean for us is if you have $10, this is not a magic trick, by the way. If you have $10, you'd go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, this is your tithe. One of these 10, that's your tithe, right? And you can kind of just do the math, multiply it by however much you have. That's how this works. Of the resources you make, even all the way back to four twenty-five an hour, the resources that you make, you would set aside a tithe. Now, the important principle that the Bible teaches about the tithe is that it's not just 10%, but the way the Bible teaches it is that it's the first 10%. So right off the bat, you say, God, you know what? This is yours because I know my tendency. I'm going to kind of get through all this and pay all my bills. And then I'm going to be reaching in my pocket to find some change to give to you. I know how I work. So God, before I even get to it, I'm going to give it to you. That first 10%. So this is a biblical concept that God is talking about here that would not have been new to the folks, the listeners who are hearing this from Malachi. God said, you're holding back your tithes and your offerings of giving to me. And that's what the tithe and the offering does is it reminds us that it's God and it helps us recognize our own sort of the flaws in our own financial strategy of, you know, make more to have more to do more because it introduces this new concept, which is give more and that we start there. 
Now, verse nine, God continues with just a few more thoughts. He says this, he says, you're under a curse. Your whole nation, like multiple people are being affected by you holding out on me because you are robbing me. Now, again, remember we talked about this a second ago. Can you rob God? The answer is no, you can't actually take from God. You can't rob God. So when it talks about how you're robbing God, who's actually the, who is it that you're actually robbing when you hold out from giving back to God? Who are you actually robbing? Yourself. That's kind of how it works. You're holding, you are, this is the crazy thing about God's economy. Only in God's economy can you rob yourself by keeping it all for yourself. Only in God's economy can you rob yourself by keeping it all for yourself. But that's what's happening. You're robbing yourself of the joy of generosity. You're robbing yourself of the growth that comes from giving to God. And so God gives us a, a way back, a way of growth when it comes to kind of our own stubbornness, or our own fear, or our own resistance to trusting him with our resources. Verse 10. Let's look at the first part of verse 10. It says this. What's the first word of this verse? What does it say? It says, Bring. You might want to circle that word, underline that word. Bring, bring, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And this is very important. We're going to pause right here in this verse. Bring the whole tithe. That means, you know, like what you committed to, what you set aside, you know, don't like kind of lose some on the way. Like this is, you made a commitment. So bring it all to God so that there may be food so that others would actually be blessed. Again, just like you can't rob from God. Does God need your stuff? No, but he's looking for your heart. And when you trust him and give of your resources, it actually becomes a blessing to others. Do you know that our church actually tithes 10% of our operating budget. We invest that into our strategic partners here and around the world because we believe that God honors that and we want to trust God with that. And so that's what really is going on here. God doesn't need our stuff. He wants our heart. And this is a way for us to actually do that. But God uses this word bring and it's very, very, very important that he uses the word bring because what that implies is that you are bringing something to God that's not actually yours. So you, you, let me explain it this way. You can't give someone something that's actually already theirs. You can bring it to them, but you can't give it to them. All right, so I, you guys look like the eight o'clock crowd. All right, let me, let, me, <laughs> let me break it down to you. All right, here, here, here. Okay, raise your hand if you've ever borrowed a, someone's car. If you ever in your life have borrowed someone's car for a date or for a weekend, for a move, okay, awesome, great. Hold that concept in your mind. So you borrow their car and you do whatever you need to do with it. Then when you come back to them after the weekend or however long you borrowed it, how many of you, when you brought it back to them, said, hey, I want to let you know something. I got you something. I want to give it to you. It's a 2006 Honda Accord. It's got 140,000 miles. I think you're going to love the color. I want to give it to you. Now, is that what you do when you give someone back their car? No, that's just kind of weird. Maybe, hopefully, you wash it or fill it with gas, but you can't give them their car back to them. You can bring their car back to them, but you can't give them what's actually already there. Do you see the difference? 
All right, okay. Well, I don't know if you fully do. So let's, we're going to go. If you should have all said yes, because now we're going to go one step further, because this is a big shift for us to get. I'm not kidding. This is a huge shift for us to get. One that has tremendous growth potential for us. And I really mean it. This is where a lot of honest, like God loving, been following Jesus their whole life Christians get stuck, is at this point. Because it really ultimately all is about trust. And can I trust God with what he's entrusted to me? Huge shift in perspective. So to help you get that, because you didn't all go along with the car story, which I thought was great, um, here's what I want you to do. And I want everyone to do this. So introverts, you don't get a pass on this one. Everyone's going to do this. I want you to pull out your wallet or purse or whatever you pay for things with. All right? Everyone pull it out right now. Pull out your wallet or your purse or things. So do it here. If you're in the overflow room, I want you to do that as well. Pull out your wallet or purse. If it's your phone that you pay for things with, then pull out your phone. Everyone grab one. All right, here's what I want you to do. I want everyone to do this because I think it's important that we get this shift. This is a big shift. I want you to hand your wallet or purse or phone to someone sitting next to you that you don't know. I, I'm not kidding. I want you just to hand it to them, right? Now look, if you looked at someone and then gave it to another person, that's just rude. That's just rude. That's just rude. So hand it to someone. You guys got yours? Good. You got yours? Everyone swap with someone. And I really want you to do this. I really want you to hold on to this. Hold on real tight. Everyone's got someone else's wallet. Now, for those of you who are holding up someone else's wallet, let's just see what they got. Let's just, uh, <laughs> just get I don't do that, but, uh, but this is the time in our gathering where we're going to receive our offering. And so I, I want you to give like you have never given before. Give like it's not even yours. Just give, give, give as much as you want. All right, here's the deal. This is where it gets real, isn't it, right? When we have to let go of our stuff and trust someone else with it. You can feel all kinds of emotions come up. That fear, I'm nervous. Maybe like, oh, I'm scared. I'm not, you know, they're not going to know what to do with it or I may not get it back, right? And so it can cause all kinds of things to stir up inside of us. This is the point of trust where growth is waiting for us, where you can say, God, I'm actually going to trust this to you because I believe you've entrusted it to me. I can't give you what's already yours, but I can bring it back to you. I can bring it back to you, God. And that's the whole point of what this is really all about. It's about bringing back to God what he's already actually given to you. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to hand that person their wallet or their purse back, and I want you to look in the eyes and say, I brought this for you. <laughs> and you can give that back to them. Now look, if you're checking to make sure everything's in there, come on, people. These are good people around you. Show a little more trust. So this is really, really what it's all, it's all about. It's about giving back to God what he's actually already given to you. Uh, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever, uh, have you ever re-gifted a gift before? Someone gave you a gift and then you re- All right, awesome. All right, some of you are nodding your heads in disgust. Well, you may have received one. Um, you just didn't know it. 
I think almost all of us have re-gifted a gift at some point. If you're newlywed, still in your first year of marriage, that first year is awesome because you have all the gifts you need for everyone else for that first year because people bought you stuff you didn't want or didn't need, and so you get to re-gift that Kleenex cozy to someone else or whatever it is that you got, right? I don't know if anyone's ever done this in this room, but if you've ever re-gifted a gift back to the person who gave it to you, that's some next-level stuff. I have respect for you on that one. And we tend to, in our culture, in our day, you know, we tend to like kind of look down on regifting, like, oh, that's not very thoughtful, or oh man, that doesn't seem very generous or very original, right? That someone else just gave you something, you turned around and gave it to someone else. But you know that when it comes to God, that He actually loves when you regift to Him. Because that's really what giving is. That's all that giving is. Giving to God is really just regifting to God. It's taking what he's given you and bringing it back to him. That's what giving is. It's re-gifting to God. It's saying, well, this is all yours anyway. It all came from you. And so, God, I just want to give this portion. The Bible will call it a tithe. I want to set aside this percentage. I'm just going to re-gift it. I'm going to wrap it back up and bring it on Sunday. I'm going to set it up online, God, to where I can just give this back to you because I've made the monumental shift in my heart that it's all yours anyway, and that you are all good, God, and that you can be entrusted, and so I can bring back to you what you've entrusted to me. See, this is big, 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 big stuff for this. And, and what we find at the end of the day is, again, not only can you not rob God, not only does God not need your stuff, God's not trying to get something from you. I think that's a huge kind of fear we have is that God's trying to get something from me. God's not trying to get anything from you. What God is trying to do is give something to you. God actually has something for you in the exchange of bringing back to him what he's actually already entrusted to you. And it's actually found in the rest of verse 10. And I love, I love this passage. It says this. It says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Test me in this. Put me to the No, really, test me in this. Put me to the test on this one and see, listen to these words, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God says, test me on this and just see how I respond. Now, we kind of know if you're familiar with the Bible or God, that testing God's not a good thing, right? There's even other verses that say, don't test the Lord your God. You know, Jesus is tempted by saying, don't test me, don't tempt me, right? This is the only place I can find in the Bible where God actually says, no, but for real, test me in this. Oh, I, inv I invite you to test me in this. See if you can outgive God. See if you can be more generous than God. God says, test me in this. Actually do it and see if I don't open up the floodgates of heaven and overflow your life with so much blessing that you won't even know what to do with it. Just test me on this. Now, there are some churches and some pastors who will preach that this is kind of like a one-for-one one or maybe a one-for-ten deal. Like, you give God one, he'll match you, you know, your gift in financial reality ten. That's not what this passage is teaching. In fact, what it's teaching here is that there's a blessing that is far richer than resources. That it's way deeper and lasts a lot longer than that. That it's joy, that it's peace, that it's purpose with your resources, that you can actually experience that blessing of God, the presence of God in the midst of your resources, in the midst of your finances. You can actually experience that. And God says, I want you to 
put me into the test of this. Just see, test my goodness. Test my generosity. See if you can outgive me. Folks who, who get this, who get on the other side of giving, they just, they just get it. That there's more joy. That there's more fun. That there's more peace in actually giving to God. But you've got to get on the other side of giving to experience that. And this is where a lot of folks get stuck. I was talking to a friend of mine who's part of Soul City Church. I've been friends for a while now. And, and we were actually talking out in the lobby. I wasn't uh, teaching this weekend. I, it was a couple weeks ago. I wasn't teaching. Uh, and so I was out in the lobby uh, talking with them. I don't recommend that you do that while I'm teaching, but we just happened to be in the lobby talking. I'd already heard the message a couple times, and so we were talking. And this is a guy who actually grew up in church. I mean, he grew up hearing these messages, right? He's heard me teach these messages. He's read these passages. In fact, he even went to a Christian college, and so he knew kind of all of the, I get it, I get it, give to God, I get it, I get it, test me, says God, see if I don't. He had heard it all, but it was still a holdout for him. Giving to God was still a major holdout for him. And over the last couple of years, God has totally softened his heart and he took that step and got on the other side of giving. In the last couple of years, uh, he has changed tremendously and is one of the most generous people I know. And that was all already in him. He just had to get on the other side of giving. As we were talking together here at Soul City, he was telling me, he's like, man, he goes, I just wish, these are his words. He's like, I just wish everyone could know what I'm experiencing. I wish everyone could know what it looks like on the other side of giving. He's like, I just, I wish our whole church could just know what it feels like to have peace. He's, in the course of this shift and this growth in his life, they've been able to buy a home. They've been able to take some, you know, vacations together as a couple and as a family. Like, it's, it's been this getting over this hump for him. As we were talking about it, both of us were saying, yep, this is one of the biggest ways that God has grown me. He would say, this is one of the biggest ways that God has grown him is by putting God to the test on this one and actually doing it, actually putting action to intention. He, he gets it. Think back to Rosie's story that we heard a little bit ago. Rosie gets it. She gets it. It's about trusting God with what he's entrusted to her. I think of all the folks who so faithfully, uh, financially give to the work of Soul City Church and, and what God's doing here. They, they get it. I'm telling you, we'd go around and have them tell you stories. They'd get there like, oh my gosh, it doesn't mean that like God just shall, like, makes it rain on my bank account and that I have all the money that I need in the world. No, God takes care of me though. God provides for me. God has poured out blessing on my life. I'm telling you, they would tell you that. I think of the 573 folks in our church who've already sacrificially given on top of their giving, many of them are giving to for the love, to make more room for more people to hear about the transformational love of Jesus. They, they get it. They just, they get it. They get that giving is one of these really rare things that not only um, shows your faith, but at the same time grows your faith. It's amazing what giving can do because it takes an act of trust and faith, right? To give to God. It does. So it shows your faith, like, yeah, God, I'm, yeah, I choose to trust you. But at the same time, it actually grows your faith. And I want you uh, to get it. I want you to experience that. I want you to know the joy of giving to God. 
I want you to know what they know. I want you to experience God opening up the floodgates of heaven and blessing your life. I want you to experience the growth that comes from giving and the joy that comes from generosity. I want you to have a better strategy for your money and I want you to have a better story to tell with your life. That you really put God to the test and you really trusted him and that you have been blessed because of it. Years ago, when I first got serious about putting God to the test and trusting him and bringing my tithes, we believe that's part of a relationship with God is that I give back to God. And so I was hearing that for the very first time and really getting it and wanting to take a step of faith. And at the same time, um, back when I was building my empire off of 425 an hour, I, um, I came across a dollar bill uh, that I'd never seen before. It was just in, you know, like a, in the uh, money that I got back uh, from some purchase. And on the dollar bill, it actually had a picture of Santa Claus put over the face of George Washington. And I'm not kidding. In fact, that's, you can see it right there. That's for real. This is real legal tender. And that's an actual picture of Santa Claus over this dollar bill. And I was so blown away by, I'm like, how do you, is this illegal? How do you do this? How do you, and I was so blown away by that. It was right at the same time that I was hearing this. And I don't know who actually did this, a group of people that kind of put this on around Christmas time and thought it'd be funny. It wasn't even Christmas time. It was months later. And I had this little Santa dollar bill. And I thought, well, that's, that's crazy. And then I thought, hey, I had this thought. I'm like, I wonder how long I can hold on to this. And so just in a quiet prayer of me to God, it's just me and God, I said, okay, God, I'm going to put you to the test. And I folded my little Santa, my, my magic Santa dollar uh, up, and I, and I put it in a little pocket of my wallet, and I said to God, I believe that with you, God, I'll never have to spend that last dollar. I believe, God, I believe I'm putting God to the test in this moment. I believe, God, that you'll provide for me. I believe that you'll take care of me, God. I believe, God, that there will always be enough because you are more than enough. And I've had this now for almost 25 years. And it's moved from every wallet, and I have yet to spend it. There were some days where I'm like, oh, Santa dollar. It's getting close, Santa dollar. And I just, to be clear, because I don't want to get emails, I don't pray to the Santa dollar. I don't, it's just a symbol. Let's just make sure. I don't want to have to answer those this week. It's just a symbol. But it's been with me all these years, and it's been a reminder of God's faithfulness to me. And that I can trust him with what he's entrusted to me. And so can you. So can you. You can actually experience the joy of generosity today. And so here's what we're going to do. In a moment, we're going to receive our offering. And we do this all the time. We give in a couple different ways. But I want this one to mark a moment for you where you maybe for the first time take a step to say, God, I actually want to do it. I actually want to trust you. I want to get started. I want to take this step today, God, and see what you might do. And so there's a couple ways that we're uh, going to do that. I want to let you know about uh, one of the ways that you can uh, give. And one of the ways we mention all the time around here, but you know, I don't know if you've ever really caught it, is text to give. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out your phone right now. Everyone go ahead and take out your phone. Um, for real. I'm not going to make you give it to someone else. You can trust me. All right, that, that's over. Take out your phone. Here, I just want you to know that this is an option. And that you can actually text in all lowercase, uh, all one word, Soul City to the number 77977. Soul City to 77977, and we'll automatically deduct $10,000 from your account, assuming it's there. No, it actually does nothing. Here's what it does, is it helps you put action to intention. 
And so that you can actually like text that Soul City to 77977. And it's going to send you a link to where you can actually go online and begin to set up your giving. Online is how Gene and I do our giving. It's how our staff does all of our giving. We give online just because it helps us settle that tithe thing, that first 10%, helps us settle that right away without having to mess it up or get kind of, you know, in the middle of all that. We just trust God with it right at the top. And I want to let you know, you can do that right now and you can find a link and it'll send you a little link and you can begin to set that up this afternoon if that's where you're at, if that's what you want to do. Or if you want to read some more, understand some more, you can go to our website, go to soulcitychurch.com slash give and you can actually uh, learn more. We got a whole big FAQ thing there and videos and resources because we really believe in how significant this is for our growth that you would actually take the step. And for those of us who are in relationship with God and we've been following God, this one's actually not negotiable. Like this is a part of our relationship with God. And that's not my idea or Soul City Church's idea. That's what we see here all throughout the Bible. And God's inviting you today to put him to the test, put his faithfulness, put his goodness, put his generosity to the test today and just see what he does. And so I would encourage you to take that step today. That's how God's leading you to take that step today. Because there's a couple thousand years after, or hundreds of years, I should say, after uh, the prophet Malachi, there was another leader who came and spoke to the people of God, to a church actually very similar to this church. It was a church in the city of Corinth, a church filled with amazing people, just like this church is filled with amazing people, people who loved God, who loved those around them, used their gifts to make a difference in their church and in their community. And the Apostle Paul was writing to this church, which is very much like this church right here, to Soul City Church. And here's what he said to them, and here's what Gene and I would love to say to you today. We want you to hear. This is what he said to them in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. You don't need to turn there. I just want to close with this thought. Paul was just blessing and encouraging them for how amazing they are. And that's how we feel about you. He says, since you excel in so many ways, since your translation for excel, already awesome, since you're already awesome in so many ways, in your faith, the way that you believe wholeheartedly in God, in your gifted speakers, I mean, let's just pause right there for a moment, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your earnestness, your love for God, and your love from us. Paul goes on to say this, here's what I want. I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving in the grace of giving. Paul says, I want you to excel in this. I want you to soar in this. I don't want you to miss this. And I would say the same is true for Gene and I and our team as we pray for you. We want Soul City Church to excel in generosity. Every time we're with you, every time Gene and I come home from either a coffee or a meeting or hanging out with folks from Soul City, I'm telling you, this is what we say every time. We have the most amazing people in the world. What a beautiful church. What a diverse church. What a powerful force in this city. Y'all are some of the most talented and gifted and loving people the way that you serve. It is, it is remarkable to say the least. And so because you're already awesome at all those things, we want to see you excel in the gracious act of giving. We want Soul City to be one of the most generous churches in the world. And so it begins with you and me, and it begins with this moment of trust right now. So I want to pray for us, and then we're going to receive our offering and close with the song of worship. But I would encourage you right now to just listen in on how God's leading you and 
what he's taking you, the next step he's taking you to, and I'd love to pray for us. Can I do that right now? God, thank you for the fact that uh, you don't hold back or hold out on us. Thank you, God, that you are not stingy with grace. Thank you, God, that you don't exclude us, but you include us in your unbelievable transformational story of love. Thank you, God, for this lesson from this group of people thousand years ago. God, it still reveals the truth of our heart today is that if left to ourselves, we tend to grab and we try and grow our resources for ourselves. But God, you invite us to a different path to trust you with what you've entrusted to us to grow our faith as we show our faith, as we step out and trust you, God, with our resources. And so I pray, to God, today for a spirit of joy and for a spirit of peace and for a spirit of hope and for a spirit of freedom that would wash over this church as we take a big step of growth with you today. And God, I pray that you would do as you say, that you would open up the floodgates of heaven and shower our lives with your amazing goodness and your blessing. It's in your name that we pray and that we give and that we trust you. Amen.